We're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 8. And let's go ahead and pray as we look at the word. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us. We ask you to guide and keep us. Show us what you would see from this word, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 26. They've just crossed the Sea of Galilee, and we had the storm where Jesus was sleeping, and the the, uh, apostles were all fearful because the boat was filling up and they were getting ready to sink. And this is where we start at this verse. And they arrived in the country of the Gadarenes, which was over against Galilee. And when he went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice, he said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, you son of God, most high? I beseech you, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. And for oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters. And he did break the bands and was driven to the, of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many devils have entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go to the deep. And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. And then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they had... When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it to, to the city and in the country. Then went they out to see what was done, and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by which means it was the possessed of the devil was healed. When the whole multitude of the country of Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be, be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and show how great things God hath done unto you. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they had been waiting for him. I want to just take a look at this story, because it's got a lot of interesting things. Jesus lands in the place of the Gadareans. And we want to understand the Gadarean cities were on the southeast corner of Galilee. They started out in Galilee, on Galilee, (laughs) uh, in the northwest corner. So they took a long boat ride that got them into that trouble, and the disciples thought they were going to fall, uh, they were going to have uh, die. And when they get there, a man that's in a miserable state shows up, a man possessed by demons. This is something that for many, many, probably centuries, We've thought that we've gotten away from this whole idea of devils and 
and in, inhabited of devils. But you know, we're starting to see more and more people being possessed by demons again. Why? Mostly because they've opened themselves up to them. And we're seeing this through all the drug use and all the uh, turning away from God, but people and looking into the occult. You know, people will tell you, well, uh, I read my horoscope every day and I go, why? Well, you know, I just want to have an idea of what's going on. I go, it wasn't written by God, it's not valid, and, and it's an opening yourself up to the demonic world. We want to be careful what we open our minds and our body and our soul to. You know, and this can get us into a lot of trouble if we're going the wrong direction. And this is why it's so important to fear God, get into the Word of God, have Him fill our brains, have Him fill our, our spirit, have Him fill the way we do things, and know what's going on by all of that. If we are opening ourselves up to the demonic, and there's lots of ways to do it. There's some ways that just seem so innocent. Horoscopes, Ouija boards, uh, palm readers, all of that opens our mind and our soul up to the demonic. And we can be possessed just as this man was. And this man was possessed with many demons. You know, when Jesus asked him his name, he goes, I, we are legion because we are many. And Jesus had compassion on this individual. And Jesus had compassion on so many individuals. I, you know, I have not had an opportunity to cast a demon out at, at this point in time. I'm not sure that I've ever seen somebody possessed with demons. There's been one or two people I thought might have been possessed by demons. Uh, but, you know, it really becomes obvious just because somebody is bad, foul-mouthed, you know, a jerk all the time, does not mean that they are possessed by demons. If they are possessed by demons, they will be evil to the, to the nth degree because that spirit, has, an evil spirit, has possession of them. And so, you know, don't say that person's possessed by demons. Look how bad they are. Now, that may, may or may not be true, but they are opening themselves up to the potential with that lifestyle. But Jesus meets this man and gets ready to solve the problem. And his way was to, to cast this demon out. Now, I do not recognize, uh, recommend that if you're going to be trying to cast out demons that you talk to them. All right? Uh, Nowhere, you know, there's a few places in the Bible where people talk to the demons, but uh, usually it's Jesus. And Jesus has enough power that he could talk to them. I do not recommend trying to have a conversation and win a battle with a demon. Now, these are people, I hear people a lot of times going, well, you know what, I am just going to really tell, give Satan what for, and he's going to know what I'm going to talk. Satan is a lot older than anyone in, that's alive a lot older than anybody who's ever been alive. And he's learned a lot. And it seems that he doesn't forget. Which is part of the biggest problem that we have as human beings. You know, and the one great thing I'm looking forward to, heaven, I've said this several times, is I'm looking forward to not forgetting in my new glorified body. I hate forgetting things that I think, or think I should know or that I know that I know at some point in time. And I have forgotten it. Jesus meets this man, and he's going to cast this demon out of the man. Now, there's something interesting about this. There seems to be 
an idea that demons want to possess something to get a body of some sort. And the demon, when Jesus is going to cast him out, he says, please don't send us, it says in the King James, to the deep. In the, the Greek, it said ab, abyss. In other words, don't send us into hell. Which Jesus could have done to them. He could have said, okay, you're not even going to be on this world anymore. You're not going to possess anybody else. You're going to be sent right to hell to wait for judgment. So remember, hell was created for the demons. Hell was not created for mankind. Now when man fell, anytime they reject the gift of salvation, they will go to hell. And so they're saying, please don't send us to hell. We do not want to wait in hell until the judgment. There is coming a day when everybody will stand before God in judgment. For Christians, we go to the Bema Seat. And for us, it's not a, a judgment of heaven or hell. It is a judgment of our works. Jesus will cast our works in the fire, and, and what is done through him will come out and be our reward for eternity. Some people will have very few rewards. Some people will have very large quantities of rewards, depending on how much they have let God work through them. Now, no, most people will go, well, do you pastors all will have great rewards? You know what? Probably not as much as you think. Because a lot of times we're doing things just because that is our job. Now, now we do want to do the job. We want to, we want to teach. We want to do all of that. But sometimes we're doing things just because it's part of our job, whereas... When I wasn't a pastor, I did things, and people knew that it was, I did them because I wanted to. Now, and I've said this before. If you all send, a, a, you, you know somebody has been missing for a while, I send the card out as pastor, and they're going, oh, look, I got a nice card from pastor. Now, it's his job to make sure that we, you, know, you all send them. Your impact of your card makes a huge difference to them because, like, you did not have to send it. You were thinking about them. You know, even though our motivation could be the same motivation, they go, well, that's his job. All right. Um, so we see it here. This man is miserable. The demonic forces in this man, they said he kept tearing off his clothes. He didn't wear anything. They would bind him up in fetters, which are chains, and he broke them. Somebody who's demonically possessed has incredible strength that is unbelievable. And so you want to be able to understand that this is a big deal. This guy is so bad, nobody wants him anywhere in town. All right? And he is living in the tombs. Now, I don't know how you'd want to live in a tomb, you know, up in the caves and the tombs with all the dead people. The, the, demon would be, the demons would be happy with that. But this man is not living as a man. He is possessed his control is completely given over to the, de to the demons, and they're doing with him as they want to do. That is a miserable state. And Jesus shows up. Now, this is the wonderful thing. There's, a, there's going to be a solving of this issue. And as we look at the, the solving of it, they did not want to be cast into Hades, and they just said, send us into the pigs. There's a whole herd of pigs over there. Now, we would rather be sent into pigs rather than to be sent into the abyss. And Jesus actually let them have their way, <laughs> which I'm not sure why. 
But he sent them into the pigs, and you know what? The pig was much smarter than the man was. They immediately killed themselves. <laughs> they, they go, we're, we're possessed, we're, 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 we're getting, getting out of here. And they ran down the, down the hill into the lake and died, and said, choked, or was drowned. It's kind of interesting that pigs had more smarts than, than the person. Huh? Uh, wherever they, wherever, to whatever person would allow them to. That's why it would have been nicer if he just sent them to the abyss. And we have another story where Jesus told the man, you know, uh, cast out the demons, and he said, now you need to follow me because otherwise more demons will come back into you. So the demons that are cast out will go around trying to find a new home. When they can't find a home, if you have not turned your life over to Christ, they'll find that you have an empty house. And it says, and they went and got friends, <laughs> other demons, and filled that person in his latter state was worse than his first state. So this is something very serious. There will not be an empty heart out there. You will be filled with something. Your spirit, your, your desires, your motivations, God's spirit, or demonic spirits. Now, I like to be filled by God's spirit. It's a much better thing. He has a good plan for me. He has good in store for me. And he has a plan that is good. And we always have to remember, God is good all the time. Whenever we think that it's not true, remember that God is good. When things are going hard, remember that God is good and he has a plan. Now we may not like his, we may not like his plan because we do not see the whole plan. And it's been said that if we saw everything about God's plan from his perspective, that we would fall in love with his plan because we would know that it's the perfect plan. And, you know, if you live long enough, you start realizing all those things that you thought were bad and terrible, when you look back on them, say, oh, that was good. It was used for my good. It was used for what, what, was, what was necessary. And so the herd ran to its death as they got possessed. Now one of the things we want to remember is the Gadarenes are not Jews. That area is to the west of the Jordan River and they are not Jewish, Jewish people, which is why they're keeping pigs, that's why they're, they're not seeking after God. And the herdsmen, now their reaction is kind of interesting, the herdsmen and the, and the people, the herdsmen Rush back into town. Now, do you think they said the man is healed of demons? No, I don't believe that was their message. Our herd went crazy and ran into the lake. Our money is gone. We have a problem out there in the wilderness. There's this crazy man who cast demons out of the, the really crazy guy, and now the pigs ran into the lake and killed themselves. Isn't it amazing how... The difference between how we as Christians look at, at things that happen and the way the world looks at things that happen. The world will always spin things into an, in a dark direction and a hard direction and, and an angry direction, whereas we see God's hand at work. We may not like what we see necessarily, but we see God's hand at work. The world, they just see craziness. We lost our income. 
Yeah, we, we lost our entire herd of pigs. We can't sell those pigs now. We can't make any money. Matter of fact, we can't even replace them because they're all in the, they're all in the lake. We have to go spend more money now to get two new pig, you know, some new pigs to be able to breed the new, the new stock. So they're seeing nothing but bad. And it says that the people of the town came out to see what had happened. What did they see? They saw this crazy guy that they didn't want around town, fully clothed, sitting in front of Jesus, in a right mind conversing with him. And that still did not give them empathy for the man. They're still thinking about all of our money, our income went into the lake. And it's this crazy visitor's fault that it's happened. I've shared with you, I used to love when I was working as a manager, going around telling my people, you know, you know what God has done this last week for me or what he's done over the weekend for me or yesterday for me? And you could see their eyes rolling back and saying, oh, no, he's going to talk about God again. Do we see as Christians God's hand in what's going on around us? I hope so. I know it doesn't happen all the time. You know, even when we know that his hand is in everything that's going on, we don't always see his hand in what's going on. We're going through something like that right now in our family. That you know, We're going, all right, God, how is this going to be something that you can use? I don't know. I have no idea how he's going to use it. But being able to watch and see what he's going to do. The world looks at it and says, well, no, another big problem. Another big problem. They, they always come. They always come and everything falls apart. <laughs> is our focus on, on God being in control? God is sovereign, which means he does what he wants. He gets his way. And we don't understand that. Now, he gives us freedom to do things that we want to do. These people raising, raising things that are the, the pigs and and looking at him and saying, yeah, you're, you're the troublemaker. We need you out of here. We need you gone. You just cost us you know, lots of wages. I'm not even going to begin to figure out how much it was. It doesn't tell us how large the herd was, but it was a big herd. All right? And they go, well, you have just cost our city all of our money. Yeah. You're worse than, you're, you're worse than a, a pestilence. You're worse than a plague. You cost us the entire herd. Please leave. This is their attitude. Please leave. They're not looking at the demon-possessed, the previously demon-possessed man and saying, wow, look what a great thing happened to him. They didn't look at the fact that Jesus had blessed, had a blessing going on. We as Christians need to understand that God has a blessing for us in all that goes on in our life. We may not see it. We may not understand it. We may not understand it till we get to heaven. God may gen generously show us what the blessing was in this lifetime. And oftentimes he does because he wants us to get a good, solid picture of his blessings. That he has a plan. You know, all things work together for good for those who love God and called according to his purpose is a very valuable scripture. 
God has a plan, and everything works together for good. Now, note, and I've said this many, many times, it's not works together for my good. It's works together for good. Which means somebody else may be blessed by what I go through. And that's something to be understood. And at the end of this chapter, we're going to see that. Jesus tells the man to stay and proclaim what happened to him. He gets to, he gets to preach and tell everybody. And some of them probably got saved out of the deal. All right? So what will happen from all of this, all of this that's happening? Um, Jesus wanted to have this man healed. He wanted to see this, na- this town, this group of people follow after him. They weren't ready. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. They saw nothing but the negative side of things. How do we look at life? And I'm going to bring that up because we started, very, you know, before we even started talking about COVID and all the fears that people have about COVID. Is that the way we as Christians should be responding to what's going on? No. Now, I'm not saying be stupid and hug everybody that has, you know, has COVID and, you know, and all that, but we don't need to be afraid of what's going on. We'll either get it or we won't. And even if we do or don't, God has a plan and a reason for it. And we need to be able to honor God in all that we're going through. So just be aware of what is the goal that God has. He has a plan. Now what that plan is, we don't always know. Now, and we don't always like his plan. But remember, he sees the beginning from, and the end all at once. He already knows what's going to happen. I want to think, have you think about any book that you've read that is an adventure story or something. Your hero in that book always runs into problems. If the hero did not run into problems, it would be a terrible book. You know, uh, he, he got a call to do this, he got there. <laughs> you know, no bad guys in between, nobody trying to stop him, no, no doubts of what he, you know, that he's on the right track. Now the author already knows that the hero is going to get to the end and be successful. We don't know that. Well, technically we do, because it wouldn't be a good book if they, didn't get, if they didn't get there. But we see all the twists and turns. Would our, would our hero understand that? No, our hero is just like we are. Falling down and going, I don't understand why all this has happened. I don't understand any of this. I'm never going to reach my goal. Have you ever felt like I'm never going to reach that goal? I'm never going to get to where I'm trying to get to. God has a plan. Now, you may not get to where you're trying to get to, but you will get to where God wants you to get to. But these trials are what help us to understand that we have finally got there. If, if you get up every morning and have no problems all day long, you're not doing something right. All right? You're not challenging yourself. You're not... You're not challenging God to give you something to do. And this is important for us. What is it that God is asking us to do? And if you're doing God's plan, there's an enemy who doesn't like it. 
Satan is alive and real, people, and the demon world is alive and real. If you are actively working for God, the enemy is actively working against you. And I've told people very often when they say, I'm going to do this for God, I'm going, get ready for the attack. Because it's coming. If you're a Christian, Satan doesn't like it that you're a Christian. But if you're a Christian and all you do is come and sit at church once, once a week in the pew, and that's about all you ever do, Satan says, you're not, you're not even a target. I don't even care about you. You get up and say, I'm going to, I'm going to start giving out the gospel. I'm going to pass out tracts. I'm going, to, I'm going to start teaching a Sunday school class. I'm going to start teaching a Bible study. I'm going, to, I'm going to be reaching out to people. All of a sudden now, you are a threat to the demonic world, and they will set out enemy against you. Now, I'm not saying that to make you afraid, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit is stronger than anything Satan can throw at me. There are two angels to every one, one fallen angel, because only one-third of the angels fell. So even if, God, even if Satan sends angels, God can send more angels to defend me. Don't be panicked by this, but it is a true statement. When you start serving God, the enemy starts moving against you. And we need to be able to understand God is on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? And if you're his child, he's for you. If you're his child, he is, he is all there for you to help you. Does that mean everything's going to be perfect? Nope. Does that mean things are going to be real easy? <laughs> Absolutely not. You're in the middle of a battle. Uh, you know, but it is true that you will get where you're wanting, where he wants you to be. Now, having said this, here, here, here's another opinion. Verse 38. They've asked Jesus to leave. He decides to leave. Now the man that, out of whom the devils were departed sought him that he might go with them. His goal was, hey, uh, you're the man who just saved me. <laughs> you got rid of these demons. I'm in my right mind. I'm human again. I want to go with you. I think any of us would have had that attitude. Especially when all the townspeople just want to get rid of the guy who saved you, helped you. He's all alone if he stays. And Jesus told him, return to your own house and show the great things God has done for you. You know, our real goal when we witness is to show people what God has done for us. What has God done for you? What blessings has he given you? If you can't find any blessings, there's something wrong with your relationship to, with God, or you're awfully blind to what God's doing. I see God's hand in everything that goes on around me. Literally, everything. And I'm going, wow, you're, God, you are so wonderful. You are so good. This is, look at what you've got planned. Look at what you are doing. This previously demon-possessed man gets to go back, and it says that he went throughout the city telling people what happened. Now, his story was dramatic. You know, hey, guys, you know that I was crazy, and you couldn't, you couldn't, couldn't take care of me, and look what he's done. He has gotten rid of these demons, and I am now able to talk with you and show you God. 
Now it doesn't tell us whether he was successful or anything, but I'm sure somebody understood his message somewhere. Our goal is to share Christ. And I hope that you're sharing Christ once in a while, maybe not all the time, but in this last week, have you shared Christ with anybody? Have you shared with, with people what God has done with anybody? Even if it's as simple of, you know, God did this for me yesterday. Well, you're crazy assigning that to God. You know, wonderful, great. I'm crazy, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept God. We need to be lifting him up and sharing him with people. Because this is how the kingdom of Christ will be, will be built up. Share with one another. People turn to Christ and, and repent. And this is the biggest problem that we have out there is that people aren't sharing with others the gospel message. Focusing on God and his goodness and what has God done for you? What has he done for me? And we need to be able to lift him up. Now that doesn't mean we go around putting our soapbox up and preaching on the street corners. But, you know, do we take the opportunities when somebody says, you know, well, life is really bad. Well, you know what? God is on your side if you'll just turn to him. Now, God has got a plan for you if you'll turn to him and let him give you this plan. This is what God's done for me. How many of you can actually tell somebody what God did for you at salvation? You know, it's something that is really important. You know, they might be able to argue a lot of facts and figures, but they can't argue with a changed life. My life was changed, even at 10 years old, my life was dramatically changed when I became a Christian. A temper was taken away from me and people noticed that I had a different attitude toward things. Do you have love for other people? You know, they we're told that we will love other disciples. Do you love disciples? Do you love other Christians? The next step would be, for God so loved the world, if Christ is in us, we should be loving the world. Loving the world. Enough to do what it takes to see them get saved. It's important. Salvation is the most important topic that you can be dealing with. It's eternal. If somebody dies without Christ, they will spend eternity in hell. That should motivate us to tell people about Jesus. Once in a while. So we want to be able to do this. This man was told, go back to the town. Go back to your home. Tell them what happened to you. How you are now in your right mind and it was the Son of God that did it for you. Share with them. Tell them. And then it says Jesus went back and the disciples went back over to Galilee, back to Galilee. And the people were happy to see him. What a contrast. City where nobody was happy to see him except one man. <laughs> Gets back and they're happy to see him. Now we know in Galilee and Capernaum, they weren't happy to see Jesus as Jesus. They were happy to see the miracles that he did. And we need to be very careful. Why are we happy to see Jesus? 
Are we happy because he's our Lord and Savior and Master who's got a direct plan for us? Or are we looking for what can he give me? Now, God, I just want all the peace that you're going to give me. I want the love. I want all the blessings. And when you give me bad things, I'm going to gripe and complain. That should not be our attitude. Philippians says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ, of God in through Christ Jesus concerning you. Everything. Even when your world is falling apart, apparently, give thanks. Because God is asking you to learn something. He wants to teach you something through that. So, what is your attitude toward God? What is your attitude toward the scriptures? Are you seeking after God for all that you, your being? Last week we sang the song, I'm desperate for you. Are you desperate for God? Or are you in a place where I can just get by without God? It's just another day. Now, I have a problem with that sometimes because I'm a, I'm a planner. My, my days are planned. I know where I'm going to be at any moment and any, at any time pretty much, usually. So it is easy for me to almost forget that I'm desperate for God if I'm not very careful. But this is why I try to start my day with prayer and the Bible and singing songs so I'm focused on Him, knowing that I am desperate for Him. And we need to be desperate for Him. He is our all in all. He is all that we can have. He is everything that we have. Are we looking that? Problems will come in our life. But God has an answer for those problems. We may not see it. We may not understand it. We're looking at it and saying, boy, this is going to cost a lot of money. This is going to cost a lot of time. This is going to cost a lot of energy, a lot of emotion, whatever this problem is going to cause. And we're going, God, I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready for it. And we're probably not without him. So we need to be ready to do this. We need to be ready to share the gospel message with people. We need to be ready to lift Christ up. If you don't know him, today is the day to know him and turn your life over to him because you don't know how long you have. You know, some people think, well, I'm very, very young. I've got decades ahead of me, maybe, and probably. Or I'm really old. It's maybe time to come to Christ. They'll <laughs> come to him sooner than later because none of us are guaranteed later. So we want to keep this in mind, and we're going to close here. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and keep us. We ask you to, be, to walk with us and show us yourself and help us open our eyes that we will see you in all that's going on and all that we do. And keep us in your son's name. Amen. Listening friends, where will you be when you die? We ask this question of a lot of people oftentimes, and the biggest answer we'll get is, I hope I will be in heaven. If hope is your answer, you don't know God, and this is a problem. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you do not know for sure that you're going to go into heaven, please, today, make your decision to follow him. It is simply just ask him, Lord, I am a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make him your Lord. If you said that prayer, let us know so that we can send you a new believers packet. You can contact us at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or even pastor at chloridebaptistchurch.com. Or you can just send us a regular letter at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, 
Chloride, Arizona, 86431. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day.